You're listening to Fresh Ideas for Teaching. Hi, everyone. This is Walter. The Fresh Ideas for Teaching podcast is presented by Savas Learning Company. Welcome to our Moving Learning Forward series, where we'll be exploring important trends in the world of education and talking to experts who can offer the latest insights on personalized learning, student engagement, and maximizing your educational technology. I'm here with my colleague, Hannah McArdle, Marketing Manager for Envision Mathematics Middle and High School Programs. Hannah, who do we have as our special guest today? Thanks, Walter. I'm so happy to be joined today by Dr. Eric Milo, our esteemed author on both the Envision Mathematics Middle Grades Program and the Envision AGA Program. In today's episode, we'll be exploring the importance of some key but fairly rare attitudes to encourage that are needed in the math classroom. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about this topic because you don't often associate attitudes like joy, wonder, and beauty with mathematics study. Why do you think cultivating wonder, beauty, and joy is so important in the math classroom? Uh, Let me just start by saying it's so interesting that right away you both think that joy, wonder, and beauty aren't associated with mathematics. (laughs) And that's kind of like the popular opinion that mathematics can't be joyful or beautiful. It it can't be uh, any of those things. And you know what? That's really just the shame of how we think about mathematics in today's world, that it's not. It doesn't have those adjectives attached to it. The fact is, it is so joyful, beautiful, and wonderful. And I hope we have some examples today to uh, show show that. In fact, NCTM, the National Council of Teachers of Mathematics, wrote a book back in 2018 called Catalyze and Change. Uh, the first book was about high school math, and there's uh, successive books about middle school and elementary math. And they wrote eloquently about how high school math and all math can cultivate sense of wonder, beauty, and joy. And doing so is so important, but often neglected purpose of teaching mathematics. Uh, The ability to reflect on a phenomenal and experience is distinctly human activity. And seeing the world through this mathematical lens can help students experience wonder and beauty in the most unexpected places, by the way. Yes, so I agree. There's people feel so comfortable saying they're not a math person or they don't understand math, but they don't really say that about any other subjects. And so you're right. It's not really a very common idea that you hear about joy in relation to math. So how do you go about inspiring joy during the math process? All right, so we're going to do some examples uh, that we can inspire joy with some mathematics. But just think about popular culture for a minute right now. Uh, you know, Wordle has been so popular. And again, Wordle is what? Wordle is language arts. And it has brought a lot of joy to people. There are math versions of Wordle now, often called Neural. Just think about that for a second. They put, <laughs> right. the, they put the word nerd in front of it because it's going to be a math activity. And think about Sudoku, by the way. Sudoku has brought so much joy to so many people. And there is mathematics there, logical mathematics. There's a uh, there's a brand of Sudoku called a Ken Ken Puzzle. Anybody can Google that at KenKenPuzzle.com, and it takes Sudoku to another level. It involves logic and arithmetic. So you're going to still have the rules of Sudoku, where every number can only be used once and only once in each row and each column, but you're going to also add some arithmetic to it. And I would also encourage people to look at something called Solve Me Puzzles. You can Google that, or you can go to solveme.edc.org. And they're really interesting, similar to Sudoku and arithmetic puzzles also. The Nee Pappas writes, that part of the joy of mathematics is that it's everywhere. 
and soap bubbles, electricity, and Da Vinci's work, even in an ocean wave. Uh, his book, The Joy of Mathematics, is filled with joyful ideas, concepts, puzzles, and even game shows. So let's play a game right now. Uh, by the way, that the play a game just reminds me of like a 1980s movie, War Games. Anybody play a game? <laughs> Matthew Broderick, War Games. Am I going too back in time? Yeah, that's a good one. All right. So we're going to play a game right now. This game is called 50, and it's going to be me versus Hannah. Hannah's obviously going to lose here, but can she figure out an, a joyful experience even from losing the game? <laughs> So here's how I have a seven-year-old, so yes, I am good at losing happily. So here's how you play this very simple arithmetic game. You're going to pick a number one through six. One, two, three, four, five, or six. I'm also going to pick a number. One, two, three, four, five, or six. We can only pick one through six. We're going to take turns picking numbers, and we're going to continue to add our numbers together consecutively together. And the first one to reach the total of 50 wins, exactly 50, not less than, not over. You must reach exactly 50 to win. Now, it doesn't seem like a very joyful experience at all, but let's play it and see if there's actually joy that comes out of it. So Hannah, pick a number, one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, I'm going to go with six. So Hannah picks six, so I will pick a number, and I will add it to Hannah's number. I will pick three. I make kids say the whole addition sentence now, so it's six plus three equals nine. Our total now is nine, so Hannah starts at nine and then picks a number. I'm going to pick five, so I'm at 14. Right, and I always emphasize to say the whole sentence, nine plus five is 14. 14 plus six is 20. 20 plus 6 is 26. 26 plus 3 is 29. 29 plus 5 is 34. 34 plus 2 is 36. 36 plus 6 is 42. 42 plus 1 is 43. 43 plus, dang it. <laughs> plus one is 44 i've lost now, now right away you saw the the uh laughter right there that was a joyful experience she, even though she realized she just lost she laughed at it she's at 44 now she realizes she lost up but i'll just finish it 44 plus 6 is 50 the game is over now look think about that you just lost the game you actually giggled during it very simple game very simple game play it with third graders and I play it with high school kids and they all want to continue to play. And what's going on here is very interesting, by the way, it's a game that everybody can understand, Mm -hmm. but no one can quite figure out how to win right away. It's a state of what Dan Meyer calls perplexion, perplexity. You're perplexed, but perplexity doesn't mean you don't understand. You totally understand. You just can't figure out how to win again. And human nature says we want to continue to do it because we understand. So, Hannah, you have one more chance. All right. Okay. I'm ready this time. I think I've got it. Okay. I start. I'm going to go with, I'll go with five. Five. Zero plus plus five is five. Five plus five is 10. 10 plus six is 16. 16 plus six is 22. 22 plus 6 is 28. 28 plus 1 is 29. 29 plus 6 is 35. 35 plus 1 is 36. 
36 plus one is 37. The common move when you're a little stump, just pick one. <laughs> so if she has that 37 now, and the audience listening must think, what am I going to pick right now? And I hope most of you realize that I'm going to pick six. 37 plus six is 43. 43 plus, darn it, I lost again. 43 plus one is 44. Oh, there you go. I hope the audience has picked that up also, that she had lost. When I reached 43, she picked one to make 44. So, of course, I picked six to make 50. But again, you saw the joy. Uh, just to make be perfectly clear, Hannah's never played this game before with me. We have not rehearsed this at all. But yet, <laughs> she is still experiencing joy in the middle of this game as she continues to, as she continues to lose at it. That's the math experience I want for kids in our classroom. There's something obviously going on here, some very interesting mathematics going on here that we could talk about actually in third grade, but we could also talk about the algebra of it in high school math. We could talk about this game in many different aspects, in many different grades. And kids want to continue to play. I want to emphasize once again, the rules are very simple. Everybody can figure out what to do. Everybody can figure out how to play, but no one can quite figure out how to win right away way. So sometimes we like to leave our listeners with the thinking about not giving you how to win, or should we give them how to win, Hannah? Well, it's clearly get the other person, get to 43. Correct. Clearly you have to get to 43 before I do. But how do you do that? How do you beat me to 43? Um, and you can see we have not rehearsed this. Yeah. Uh, off the top of my head, uh, I'm not sure. So should we tell our listeners or make them think like you? <laughs> we, can, we can tell them. We can tell them. Right. I, I need right. to know now. All right. So she needs to know. She's had a joyful experience. Now, ultimately, if we're doing this in a classroom, again, whether it's third grade or high school, I would not tell right away. We want them to continue to play and experience it and experience it many, many times over the course of several days even. Uh, before we start to break it down. And kids will break it down after you play it a bunch of times, by the way. So Hannah already realized that she loses when she gets to 43. Well, how far is 43 from 50? Seven. seven. Oh, so keep it to yeah. sevens. Okay, yeah. Keep it to sevens. Why seven? Because it's one more than six. So you, if you force the other person, then you've got the, the power. Correct. Power. Nice word there. So seven uh, is a key here. And 43 is seven away from 50. But I'll get to 43 before you do, because I'll get not to 43. But what's the number before 43 that I will target? 36. 36 is correct. So you want to be seven away from 43, which is 36. And ultimately, you see a pattern here that going yeah. back from set, going back by seven to a 50, 43, 29. 36, 29, 22, mm-hmm. 15, 8, and 1. 1, 8, 15, 22, 29, 36, 43, and 50. And when I was playing Hannah, you guys could go back and listen every time I got the 29. And once at 29, the game is over. I'm going 29, 36, 43, 50. Of course, as Hannah gets better, or if I'm playing students, as students get better, I will just go to a lower number in that pattern. Like if I get 15 first, then I'll go 15, 22, 29, 36, 43, 50. So kids start to realize that and see the pattern of going back to seven in the elementary schools. But in the high schools, though, we can look at that as an algebraic pattern. That's a mm-hmm. function. That's 7x plus 1. 
7x plus 1, when x is 0, 7 times 0 is 0 plus 1 is 1. When x is 1, 7 times 1 is 7 plus 1 is 8. And you see 1, 8, 15, 22, 29, 36, 43, and 50 form a sequence that we can write out as 7x plus 1. Again, the joyful experience of just playing a game that seems like so trivial, but it's not. It's so much fun. Ultimately, I keep changing it up on kids, by the way. You change the number they're playing yeah. to. Today, today we played to 50. We could play to 60. And then you also change up what numbers you're playing with. By the way, in first and second grade, I'll just play the 21 with the numbers 1, 2, and 3 only. And I'll leave it to the audience here to figure out how to win 21 if you play with the numbers 1, 2, and 3 only. These kind of games are called NIM games. That's N-I-M. And you can look up NIM games on the internet and you will see hundreds of different versions of them. I do like these, the ones I've showed today, because they're more arithmetic versions. But there are many other NIM games you can look up. And I believe they are really joyful experiences for kids to experience mathematics, to engage in mathematics, and to have some joy. Yeah, it's a whole it's a whole sign that productive struggle doesn't have to be intimidating it can lead to joy because that was very much a struggle at the at first for me. And it, it was still fun. So I think that questioning during mathematics doesn't seem as surprising, but how would you say questioning differs from wonder and why is wonder preferable? Yeah. So, you know, like this word wonder, you know, like we wonder about so many things in our life and uh, we don't wonder about mathematics. We just want the answer to mathematics. Um, and so, so here's the thing. Uh, if you want kids to wonder more, here's a weird strategy. Take away the text to begin the problem. If you want kids to wonder about mathematics, start mathematics with a picture. Start mathematics with a short video. And then use the language art strategy that's very popular. It's called notice and wonder. So ask kids, if you start mathematics with a picture, you start mathematics with a video, very limited text. What do you notice and what do you wonder? Give me one thing you notice about the picture or video. Notice one th and give me one thing you wonder about the picture or video. Using those kind of strategies can engage all kids to wondering about mathematics to begin the lesson. And again, the great Dan Myers does this great with what are called three-act lessons. Very popular, again, something you can Google on the web called three-act lessons, where the lesson starts with a visual or a short video, and immediately the first step is, what do you notice? What do you wonder? That is important because it puts all kids on the same playing field. No one's more advanced than anybody else because we're just given notices and we're just given wonders. So the New York Times has an excellent series on this also. It's called What's Going On in This Graph? Every week, even though the New York Times is a subscription online, you can still get what's going on in this graph for free. So every week they pose information uh, in a graph or a map or a chart. And the first question is, what do you wonder? The first question isn't, what's the answer to the problem? The first question is, what do you wonder about the information presented? So instead of asking kids to just go through problems and solve them, Let's ask kids, what do they wonder about problems? What do they wonder about the graph? 
Many of the themes on the New York Times site are social justice contexts with data analysis and important mathematics contexts. Um, I just want more and more mathematics to be more visual, scaling back the text and starting the math with visuals and video and asking kids to wonder. Well, that's a great segue into my next question, which is why is beauty important in the math classroom? Yeah, again, let's think about that question. Uh, you know, you walk around the world outside and you look at things, you see beauty in them, but I'm not sure you see the mathematics in them. And I see both, especially architecture. I mean, when we look at houses or we look at buildings, the first thing I see is the beauty of the symmetry. And think about if a building was not symmetric. Think about if architecture was not symmetric. Uh, the value of beauty in art, uh, the value of beauty in poetry, they're all very, very mathematical. Art, music, and poetry. Can we show kids the mathematics in that and show them that the beauty actually comes from the math of all things? It comes from the rhymes. It comes from the symmetry again. It comes from so many mathematical themes. Uh, there's a really a plethora of examples at ucubed.org. Now, that's Y-O-U-C-U-B-E-D.org. That's Joe Bowler's site, where she has math and art together. Just beautiful stuff. But I want you as teachers, as uh, listeners, I want you to really think about uh, when we're teaching geometric concepts that don't draw a naked square on the board or a naked triangle on the board with points A, B, and C. Have kids at home take pictures of triangles and bring them in. Have kids at home take pictures of shapes and bring them in. And let's use the beauty of the real objects in our world to teach geometry. Every single thing in geometry should be taught with real visuals, real pictures. When we teach parallel lines, shouldn't we bring up a, uh, the map of New York City on Google Maps and look at the beauty of the parallel lines and the perpendicular lines in any big city, whether it be New York City or Washington, D.C., which are all built on parallel and perpendicular lines. And then you bring up that T word transversal, by the way. And if you think about New York City for a second, that has these beautiful streets and avenues all numbered parallel and perpendicular, and then Broadway messes everything up. Broadway is a transversal that, that goes through those parallel and perpendicular lines. In geometry classes of all grades, students should use their cell phone cameras to take pictures of objects from their homes and from school and from the world. Even not just in geometry class, you think about algebra class and how we teach slope. And it's just rise over run. And again, it's a lot of naked mathematics. Shouldn't kids be measuring the rise over run of the steps in their school, the rise over run of the steps in their house? And by the way, if you have an older house, you're going to get a different rise over run than you would if you have a newer house. What about wheelchair ramps? What's the rise over run on those? And they should be out there in the real world where there's so much mathematics in every single thing. And we have to bring it, that beauty of it, not just houses, 
and streets, but also think about trees and landscapes and how your landscape is symmetrical. Think about all the beauty in flowers and the symmetry of them. So much beauty out there and so much of it is mathematics. Let's try to bring that to life with the classroom. Well, this has been such a wonderful conversation. Hopefully our listeners will have heard something that inspires them to add some joy, wonder, and beauty into their next math lesson, or even to recognize that it's already there. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Hannah and Walter. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to be on. Back to you, Walter. That's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to all of our guests for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Fresh Ideas for Teaching podcast. Until next time. We encourage you to visit savvis.com backslash mathematics today to request pre-K through 12 curriculum samples for your school or district. And you can keep the conversation going by following us on social media at Savvis Learning with hashtag moving learning forward.